0: Welcome to Grand Central Radio, the grandparents' community platform. I'm your host, Jerry Cole. This is a talk, listen, and act show for grandparents and future grandparents everywhere. My adult child, that child's spouse and in-laws and my two young grandchildren give me lots of questions and concerns. Like you, I want to be as effective for my grandkids and their parents as possible. To achieve these goals, I also want to stay physically and mentally fit and have fun. We can help each other by sharing our challenges and ideas about grandparenting and our lives as grandparents. You can replay our shows Find stories and songs to hear or read aloud, lists including the Ultimate Grandparents Emergency Babysitting Checklist and Sitter's Memorandum Form, and a list of movies about grandparents' relationships, and other materials curated especially for grandparents. And you can contact me, Jerry Cole, on our secure website, grandcentralradio.com or at jerry.cole at grandcentralradio.com. And if you would like to participate in the recording of one or more of our future podcasts, or if you suggest a possible sponsor of our shows or website, please email our show's producer at info at com. Those of us who care for young children or disabled persons while alone with them in our home or theirs worry privately about preparing for the unthinkable. We may be incapacitated while they are in our care. Today's discussion topic is Handling 9-11 Emergencies with Grandchildren, with our special guest, Nancy A. May, whose company focuses on guiding caregivers to obtain practical knowledge, resources, and access for their support, and educates families to avoid tricks and traps of industries touching care systems in the United States. She derives her knowledge from her vast experience coaching CEOs, boards of directors, and senior leaders in public and private corporate sectors. You will hear on this podcast Nancy's personal views on this topic. Those views do not constitute the views of any of her publishers, sponsors, syndicators, or affiliates, or any legal, medical, mental health, or other advice by her, me, or Grand Central Radio. We urge all listeners to discuss with their legal health, including mental health, and other advisors and counselors their particular concerns and difficulties that may require professional intervention. Nancy, you have over 25 years of experience as a strategic advisor to senior executives and boards of public and private companies of different sizes and locations in a broad array of industries including, among others, healthcare and education, about corporate governance and other business issues. After a successful career as a business executive consultant, when, where, and why did you discover your interest in assistance to caregivers and the topic of 9-11 emergencies? What events and persons in your life and your family's lives led you to that focus? Oh, a great question. So, I think in in the
1: latter part, I would say that this actually started to happen, or my focus was happening as I became the POA and trustee for my parents. And there was just there were so many things that were popping up. You know, it's sort of the whack-a-mole syndrome where, <laughs> where you know things happen, you'd expect things to go smoothly because my parents were always very good at making sure that. The, the the road ahead was laid out for me i knew exactly what their wishes were and what was going on and and that was helpful but there were things that were unexpected that popped up and you know i, I go back even further and i my joke and i say i think my parents prepared me for for this time of life since i was five when my mom used to and her sister used to lay on the floor in our living room and i was the oldest of Well, three children. I had a middle sister that passed away when she was three and a half from childhood leukemia back then, and my dad was on the road. So in case something happened to my mother, um, and my infant sister was literally just just recently born at the time, I would be the one who knew how to call 911. So uh, my joke is, and mom and dad prepared me for their deaths since I was five, and it sounds rather traumatic for a child, but I knew how to dial 911. I knew what to do. And I was always prepared for that at some point, um, if if I needed it, or mom and dad needed it.
0: Well, how did you develop, and how do you maintain your knowledge and experience in counseling about handling nine one one emergencies? I know you've written a book on the topic. Right. You
1: know, I'm I'm obsessive about research, and quality control. So in this particular case, I am not a paramedic, I am not an EMT, I am not a doctor, and. in order to do that i just like anything i rely on outside resources who know the system really well so between between working with attorneys the professionals that are in that particular 911 emergency space i scoured the country of those who were known for for really doing the best or being at their prime in this particular situation i had experience in dealing with 911 myself calling uh, on many occasions over over the years including not dealing with parents or children or others and um you know every 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 community is slightly different but the basic system and what to do is there and i think the biggest challenge that people have is being afraid of calling 911 even in the simplest of situations where you think It's not an emergency, and you don't have to call 911 just in an emergency. If you need some kind of help that you're not aware of, that has some sort of medical condition or accident that's going on, call 911. These responders are there to help you.
0: How do you know that an emergency or a situation merits calling 911? How do you tell the difference between a minor event that you think you can handle by yourself and perhaps have handled by yourself before and a situation that merits calling nine one one. So um, cuts and scrapes, you can handle those yourself. Those are
1: kind of the obvious things. But if you can't stop bleeding, if somebody has fallen and you can't get them up, um, I just uh, did a just did a post recent in in uh, in a group that I'm in, and I said, listen, if and this is related to elderly parents versus just children, but if you're a grandparent, you might be dealing with a spouse who falls and trips and can't get up, and you may not be typically physically strong enough to pick them up. So do not hesitate calling 911 to say, I need help right-siding my husband because I, I, I'm i not strong enough to do so. And you do not have to go to the hospital with a 911 call, although their goal, if if they assess that it's a problem, will encourage you to go to the ER first.
0: I Before you actually go into a hospital setting,
1: you mean? Correct. Right. Exactly. Their goal is to make sure that you're safe and, and
0: physically safe and not in danger of dying, really. Right. Well, what do you find in your experience have been the most common and the most critical concerns and problems of older persons in cases of emergency health or other, or other kinds of emergencies, especially when they're caring for one or more very young children or disabled persons?
1: I would say tripping tripping, and falling is the biggest thing or one of the biggest things, especially if you have young kids and children in the house, toys, tripping oh, over things. Yes. <laughs> you know, it ha- It happens. You know, little kids don't know how to pick up after themselves and keep, keep stuff out of your way. And it's not that it's intentional. They're having a good time and you're loving being with them. But... Um, and they, an untied shoe, your own untied shoe, or child scoots out from under you and gets between your legs because they're playing hide and seek, and all of a sudden you go down. That's that's a, that's an issue.
0: Well, I think some of our biggest concerns as caregivers to young people or to disabled able people, uh, people who can't necessarily dial nine one one themselves, is uh, how do we train? Others around us to handle an emergency if we're not able to do it? Oh,
1: good question. The, you know, the, in the, uh, I'll call it the olden days, because I'm not 23 anymore, (laughs) or even 10. Um, The the old fashioned, you know, plastic red telephones that most kids would be given, and I say red because I remember mine was a red telephone. You would dial on the rotary dial. We don't have rotary dial anymore. But if you need to train somebody on how to dial nine one one, use a, a a toy phone for a child to explain to them how it works. Uh, if they're not comfortable, or you're not comfortable giving them the phone, and show them how to do it, or do a trial run. And and I would even take them to uh, your your local EMT shop and show them. What goes on? How does it work? Have the EMTs talk to them. These are community outreach people who absolutely love talking and supporting, especially younger kids, on who they are, how they work, and how
0: not to be afraid of them. Yes, I I do remember uh, when I was much younger, when I was about 11 years old, my mother had an emergency. And and I think she talked about it until she was well, well. Beyond the stage of even remembering, uh, but uh, at most things. But she remembered that when she, I was about eleven, she fell and she cut her leg, and uh, we didn't have cell phones. Then we had a wall phone, a rotary phone, and I called 911 and then I called my dad. And to this day, she thought she was, that was the most impressive thing that she had ever heard me do.
1: (laughs) You know, any like quick dial buttons on your phone, you can Ah. do that. There are lots of different ways to do it. And uh, there are even, I think Jitterbug is a phone that is specifically set up to have big buttons that you can see visually. You can show that to a kid and a little child will be able to see the big buttons on a screen and be able to Push the number if they needed to. You hear the stories all the time,
0: right? Right. I mean, is this is a suggestion that that older people who don't necessarily have a jitter phone for themselves might consider getting one just to have it handy for emergencies, uh, both for themselves and for their very young children who might have trouble with a regular cell phone. Yeah. In fact,
1: there was a story about a young child that I just recently heard who had in our local uh, network or community down here on, that hit the news where she had called 911 because her Barbie doll was missing. <laughs> was, you know, not exactly the best thing to do, but you know kids make mistakes and usually the dispatchers are are pretty good about it.
0: Well that's fabulous. How and where can we get more information about handling 911 emergencies while we're caring for young people or disabled persons?
1: Well, you, I mean, I certainly have the book, if I'm allowed to say that. And yeah, sure. uh, it's called How to Survive 911 Medical Emergencies Step by Step Before, During, and After. It has a big red stripe across the front cover and it says 911, so you can't miss it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I cover there everything from just even preparing. So there was a really interesting story that I'll share. One of the the people who reviewed the book and gave us some insights is an individual who actually trains EMTs and and, uh, dispatchers. And when I went to deliver the final product to her to say, thank you, she did not. I had problems finding your house. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> bad bad thing. <laughs> she didn't even have the numbers of her house on her mailbox or on her front the front door or the front building that she lived. And one of the things I say right in the beginning, to prepare for any emergency, the first thing you need to do is make sure that the numbers are clear and and easy to identify for anybody passing by. I mean, forget Amazon will know how to find you, but it's interesting. Even in cities, if you walk by some of the major apartment buildings, you can't find the numbers on those buildings. Mm -hmm. You can't expect the emergency responders to drive by and automatically know because you're in their territory that that's your building. So in that that particular case, go to the building super and say, this is a problem. (laughs) How would you like to deal with this? So um, they'll usually respond very quickly.
0: That, that's an excellent suggestion, Nancy, and many excellent suggestions. I would like now our other grandparent callers to please answer Nancy May your questions and share your ideas about handling nine eleven emergencies with grandchildren. First, Amy in Hawthorne, New Jersey. Amy, what are your thoughts?
2: Yes. Hello, everyone. I, um, Yeah, no, it's very interesting, uh, especially... <laughs> When you uh, think about the address, uh, you know, on the front door uh, or or wherever it is, you know, on your home, um, we always are saying we're going to get one for outside because a few years ago we had it done on the curb and it has since worn away. I was about to say, it wears away, right? (laughs) Oh, you you reminded me that, you know, we have to get it because, you know, it's always one of these things. We're going to pick it up next time we're at, you know, whatever Home Depot or wherever. And, you know, we always forget. But now I uh, I'm going to make that a priority to to get that because, you know, it it really is very important, as you said. And, you know, it's it's something that you don't think of until something happens, you know. So um, anyway, that that was a a great suggestion and reminder, but with my uh, grandchildren. Uh my grandson is nine, and my granddaughter is eight and I had a, a discussion with them about calling nine one one I mean their mother does as well my daughter um but they had a sleepover the other night, so I had them all to myself yesterday, my husband and myself and uh we got into the nine one one discussion, and uh you know I said certain things, and so then they started asking questions well. What if uh, you know we're stuck in a tree? Is that nine one? Do we call nine one one? Or what if I fall in the store and and uh, nobody hears me? <laughs> like you no know, questions though, right? They were very good questions, but it was a really good discussion. and I have to give my daughter a lot of credit because she has on her uh, wall in the dining room the uh, you know their name and address and phone number. So that, and she's had this up there for probably three or four years already. Um, So it's embedded, you know, in their mind. And they do know her cell phone. Um, But sometimes I think when you get nervous or if you see something, uh, you know, happening, whether it's a 911 call or something upsetting for a child, you you know, or even myself as an adult, you know, for a, a second or so, you kind of, get so nervous that you can't think straight. Mm-hmm. You
1: know, the, the big key that, that dispatchers, not dispatchers, but the, uh, the EMTs and the paramedics will tell you is that, that hesitation can mean a matter of life and death seriously. Yes. So okay. if, if there are a group of people around and you see, there's a situation, the first thing you should do is loudly ask, has anyone called nine one one? And if they haven't, you get on the phone. Somebody has to take charge of a situation. And if you're willing to do so, just step up, start the process, point at somebody and say, you call 911, you get the other person who may have fallen, let's say is bleeding. You try and stop the bleeding. Then you tell the other person, you know, go get the the AED, which is the the device that you can do if you need to do a a heart start type of thing. Again, um, you know, you call, you know, call a family member or whatever it is that needs to be done, but somebody needs to take charge and they will listen to you. It's really important.
2: Mm. Yes. And then I, I think, you know, if they ever are in a situation like that as children, um, what happens like, what are the after effects of that? It, it's so traumatic.
1: You know, it, it's frightening when it happens, but it, with a child, I think the best thing to do is really reward them and say, you did a good job. I don't even reward them with a treat or a toy or anything or a prize, but just say, you know, Susie, you did a great job. And you know, you really helped mom and dad out, or you really helped, you know, Uncle Joe, because if it hadn't been for you, you know, things might have turned out differently. And you can use child language, obviously, but to to encourage them that this is part of being a responsible human being. Yeah. And um, and how good they can do. I'm gonna add one other thing. You mentioned that your, I guess it is your daughter who has their phone numbers on the wall somewhere in the dining room. There's yeah. another tool that you might want to use and I'm just updating the website but if you go to how to how to survive 911.com you can download a free file of life and a file of life and it's this is a fillable PDF. A file of life is one page, one sheet document where you put all your medical information and history and any other issues including, you know, doctors, phone people people to contact and have that with you or on the wall somewhere in your house by the refrigerator in case of an emergency. Everybody in the family should have one. And um, there's uh, instructions on how to use it and how many they have. I always say you should have at least five, one in the car, one in your wallet, one on the phone, um, one in a go bag in case you need to go in emergency and an extra backup to always have in case it gets lost. And um, you'd be surprised how many people do not end up going to the to the emergency department or even a doctor without knowing all their medical history. And, and you know, what happens? Yeah,
2: yeah, I love that idea. That's a great idea.
1: So just go to howtosurvive911.com. If you do not find it there, because I said I'm updating the website, try back again, or you know,
0: send me a send me a note, and I'll make sure I send one to you an um, email. Right. And and our listeners can always reach our special guests through GrandCentralRadio.com or through me, Jerry Cole, uh, at GrandCentralRadio.com. Uh, now we'd like to hear from Gail in Mercer County, New Jersey. Gail, what questions do you have for Nancy May? And what are your ideas about handling 9-11 emergencies with young children or disabled persons? Well Nancy thank you very much for the tips. I've taken some copious notes. I appreciate it. Great.
3: Um one thing I would definitely recommend uh is for everyone to if you don't have one get one a living will. Absolutely. And make sure that the people that uh your loved ones know where that is so that uh, there's not a question when you are in the hospital god forbid and and uh and 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 that Subject pops up. Second, I also think that uh, what you've mentioned, Nancy, is critical, and that would be, uh, as I call it, muscle memory. Uh, teach people what to do. Teach people how to use cell phones um, and to call nine one one. And recognize you don't call nine one one because you lost your your um, your your Lego somewhere. <laughs> that it's got to be it's got to be an emergency to call nine one one. I a couple of months ago. I accidentally called 911 because I couldn't get my phone back up and running. And I pressed two buttons, and the 911 man came on. And I apologized, and I did it not once, not twice, but three times. I was waiting for someone to come and take my phone away from me. And finally, (laughs) the 911 man said, Okay, let's try A, B, and C. And he fixed my cell phone for me. (laughs)
1: You know, I I have to say, I have accidentally called 911 from our, our house. We moved from Connecticut down to Florida recently. And, um, I did it once or twice, I think it was maybe more than twice by accident in situations looking for, for, to dial a regular phone number. And each time I'd hang up quickly, it's like, oh, darn, you know, (laughs) I didn't mean to do that. Maybe they won't notice. They know everything. Everything. And immediately I got a call back saying, are you okay? I said, yes, Yes. I apologize. It was an accident. It was a mistake. And they say, fine, that's okay. We just want to make
3: sure you're fine. And people don't know what to do in an emergency unless they practice when they were not upset. Uh, I've uh, put together more disaster recovery manuals for for lawyers and law firms. And I'm talking educated adults. um, And one time there was an earthquake in uh, the Philadelphia area. I'm going back 2012, 2013, somewhere around there. And everybody was supposed to follow my disaster recovery plan and go to a specified place to make sure that we could count everyone. Everyone was safe. No one followed it. (laughs) <laughs> no one probably. you know so my, my point being yeah. is you, you got to make it as simple because when you're in emergency or you're reacting to an emergency you're not thinking level-headed and I don't care whether you're five or 55 you're not you're not thinking level-headed so I'd like the idea of putting something up on the refrigerator that lists everything and just let people know where your will and living will is and if your will has not been updated in five years uh you Get it it done.
1: Yeah, you know it's interesting that you say the your emergency system that nobody followed. Uh, I grew up in Long Island, and once I think it was once or twice a year, the the town that I grew up in, Glen Head, would do an emergency response system for families. People would put on their calendars, and uh, the siren would would go off, and everybody would practice how to get out of the house. Who do you contact? Where does the family meet so you all knew who who was safe and who wasn't safe and where to find them and how to get in touch in case of an emergency. So that was something that our community in Glenhead in New York practiced every every year once or twice a year. and so we knew what to do. In fact, I had one of those rope uh, rope um, ladders that went out of a second story window-. <laughs> That wasn't a rope ladder because of fire, you know, you have aluminum and my parents made me go to college with that darn ladder. So it was (laughs) under my bed in case of an emergency but it was, it was there. People laugh at me, but you know, we never had a fire in, in, in the dorm, thank goodness. But, uh, it was there in case I needed it. May I add just one more question, one more point, if it's all right. Sure. Go ahead. Off? So, um, I'm just going to quickly say that we're all using cell phones today. The important thing is when you're traveling and not in your community, that the the phone number will be recognized back in your community, not where you physically are. So when you do call 911 on a cell phone, the first thing you need to do is say, hello, this is my name. This is where I physically am. And this is the emergency. It's medical, it's fire, it's you know safety, whatever it is. But let them know exactly where you are because they will know then how to direct your phone call to which dispatch facility. And that's critical.
0: That's, that's an interesting point, Nancy. I've always been curious whether or not EMT, like the police, can determine your location, not from no, your no. phone number, but from the signal.
1: No, no. And there are ways to also okay. call 911 when the 911 system is down, because it does happen and you may not be able to get 911, there's a system called text 911. And if your community is set up for that, it will go to a central dispatch location. If you just text in the message, text 911, and they will find you um, if you if you need the help. But it will take some time, but it's a way to do
0: it. Well, that, that's very useful. Uh, additional information, Nancy, thank you for sharing that with us. Takeaways from our discussion today are, display your address outside your home in easily visible type size, color, and style so that EMTs and other emergency responders can find it readily call 911 whenever you cannot reasonably help yourself or find someone else to help you immediately for any dangerous situation it doesn't have to be a situation that you traditionally thought of as an emergency for example if you can't stop bleeding or if you can't turn yourself or someone else over or if you can't get yourself or someone else off the floor if you are in a group designate someone else to call 911 immediately in a dangerous event Not all 911 calls result in a hospital visit. EMTs can handle many problems in your home. Train children as young as five, younger if able, to dial 911 and the other phone numbers you post prominently around your home, phone numbers of their parents, neighbors, or others who can help. Practice with them often, and congratulate them for their success in helping. Check whether your community has text 911. Set up your phone with Quick dial or get a jitter phone. Go to Nancy May's How to Survive 911.com and print out, complete, and keep in five places the file of life record of medical doctors and phone numbers for you and your loved ones. And read her book, How to Survive 911 Medical Emergencies Step by step, Before, during, after. Thank you to our special guest, Nancy A. May, and all of our grandparent callers and listeners. Watch for our announcements of our next Grand Central Radio show. Our podcasts are posted to iTunes, iHeart, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Blueberry, YouTube, and our secure website, grandcentralradio.com. Until then, please contact me, Jerry Cole, on our secure website, grandcentralradio.com, or contact our show's producer at info at If you have any questions or suggestions for us or any of our special guests, if you would like to participate in the recording of one or more of our future podcast episodes, or if you suggest a possible sponsor of our shows or website, Stay well, safe, and secure, and happy grandparenting!